Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel and Kevin Wade are on today's show, and it's because it's an emergency podcast in which we are breaking down the Pac-12's decision to postpone the 2020 calendar year of athletics. That means no college football, no fall sports will be played, no games will be played throughout the rest of the year in 2020. Uh, That's the big story. The fallout of that, though, means winter sports will also not be playing any games until at least the earliest, January 1st. So essentially the Pac-12 today announced college football in its normal time will not be played. All fall sports in its normal time will not be played. And non-conference play for men's and women's basketball have been canceled for uh, college basketball landscape. Pretty, pretty sweeping moves. Uh, they are the second conference to make this decision in terms of canceling fall sports today. Uh, the Big Ten announced themselves earlier, about an hour prior to the Pac-12 decision, that, that they were canceling or postponing, I should say, fall sports with the intent to hope to play you know, in spring. Same thing as Pac-12. I, I think Eric and Kevin, um, Kevin, let's start with you. This is kind of where we were all trending towards. It's just nonetheless still gut-wrenching no matter what, hearing it that it's officially done. Yeah, it definitely uh, – it's been the trend. I mean, it's now about exactly a month from when we got uh, the conferences moving to the conference-only schedules and then 10 days after the um, – conference only schedules were actually released and we got to look at them. So it's a gut punch for sure. But as the conversation continued, um, it just didn't look like it was going to happen. And I think university of Oregon president, Michael Schill kind of said it best is we gave it our best shot. We wanted to see if we could do this. And then after the conversations and then, then the unknowns crept up, it just, they realized that they just couldn't get it done. It's just, I think it's really demoralizing um obviously for those listening over they're sharing in this but uh, five months ago to the day they, that they uh, incidentally canceled men's and women's basketball tournaments and unfortunately not much has changed with covid and i guess it's just a real bummer that that's the case but then also a bummer that they couldn't find some solutions for this but i think you also have to realize at a certain point like maybe they're just isn't one right and i think that's where they got to and, and you, you heard that in the call um, which I would encourage those listening now to go at least take, take listen to parts of that. Of it, it really sounds like they, they wanted to try to make this work and there just wasn't a plan in place that really made sense that guaranteed that everything was going to be done and everyone would be, be able to be healthy. And I think some of the concerns, and we'll talk about a lot of this throughout here, but just of not, it's not just getting the, the virus, it's possible long-term cardiac impacts. And they had a, a Dr. Doug Ackerman who's, uh, and, and I think he works at the university or Oregon state. Uh, he came on and, and communicated some of that. And so this, this was not a, we don't want to play football. We're not playing football. They think that really gave it the good college try here. And it just didn't, didn't end up coming out the right way or the way people wanted it to be. And I think personally, uh, I'm not super optimistic about spring sports or, or football in the spring. Um, just because like, I, I don't necessarily know what's going to change in the next couple of months here unless a vaccine, and that maybe is a game changer we're waiting here for. But it seems like we're kind of biding time, and eventually um, all of these deadlines that we felt were reasonable for them to hit 
we're not hitting. And I think, again, back in March, I felt pretty confident that early August we'd be having football practice and starting games in September. I didn't know if we'd have fans there, but I thought that would at least come together. The fact that we didn't get there, I think, is demoralizing. And, and personally, I'm, I'm skeptical, I guess, of, of what the spring might hold. Yeah, the Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott said that the bubble is too difficult to accomplish mm-hmm. at the collegiate level from an NFL from a from a football standpoint. Um, he didn't necessarily rule out a, a, a college bubble for other sports, um, and I think the most popular one would be basketball. But at the same time, he did say a, a collegiate bubble at the NFL, at, at the football level is is just not possible. Um, the school also released and then some, a 12-page document. We've got that up on DuckTerritory.com. Um, why the schools agreed in unanimous fashion, too, to vote on canceling or postponing is the correct term, uh, fall sports. And the first one is community prevalence remains very high in much of the Pac-12 footprint and traveling to Many places is likely unsafe, particularly on commercial aircraft. Second reason, we are concerned about health outcomes related to the virus. Among these, there, are, there is new and evolving information regarding potential serious cardiac side effects in elite athletes. We do not have enough information to understand the short and long-term outcomes regarding these health issues. And the third reason being testing capacity needs to increase to allow more frequent testing performed closer to game time and with more rapid turnaround time to prevent spread of infection, enhance the safety of all student athletes, coaches, and staff involved, particularly in situations where physical distancing and mask wearing cannot be maintained. This will require access to significant capacity of point of care testing and rapid turnaround time, which is currently very limited. And that's the difference that of what Larry Scott mentioned of the difference of collegiate and professional. The NBA is is able to do all of this, but they're also pumping in hundreds of millions of dollars into a couple months span of NBA basketball in Orlando in their own bubble. And so I look at this, Eric, and I, I don't. Their reasoning it all sounds fine to me, and it sounds and it, it, there's no real issue I have with this group. I don't either. Unfortunately, I wish I could come up with something that made sense, but like ultimately, and I think the cardiac thing to me is really big is this is not just about contracting a virus and it might sideline you for a little bit. You, you could have long-term health consequences and it seems really negligent to put these student athletes in a position where, where maybe they can contract the virus and I don't want to say they pass away, but that their life is completely altered. And it, I think you can't really do that on your own conscious from my perspective, they, I think Larry Scott was asked about the possibility of having the players, maybe it wasn't Larry, but the, of signing a waiver prior to the season. And that's just not something you can really do in good conscience. So, um, yeah, I don't have a huge issue. I think this is unfortunately the right call. And I put up a story earlier on the site today about, like, I don't think we can, I don't think there's anyone who really is at fault here besides the virus. I don't think we can really point our fingers really at anyone directly other than to say that like we're dealing with a extremely unpredictable virus that has, that we're still trying to figure out. And the reality is, is that it seems really, there's too much uncertainty right now. And I know that was a buzzword today, but it just, it, it, it feels like this is the right choice. And as unfortunate as it is, as demoralizing as it is and disappointing as it is. Yeah. Arizona state athletic director, Ray Anderson on the call, uh, or the webinar as they called it said that it's the accountability and responsibility of the PAC 12 to go just 
above just saying, Hey, here's a waiver. We're signing away your rights. They just, they weren't going to do that. That wasn't the morally right thing to do. Um, so I think that was kind of, uh, my president, Michael Schill also echoed those concerns. I think that's kind of where the PAC 12 came to is that it was a, a morally and just, it was the right thing for the conference to do. And that's why it was a unanimous decision. Yeah, President Schill hammered that home saying it, it was a unanimous decision 12 to 0. He said that obviously there were parts of the discussion that there were differing opinions, um, but everyone embraced, uh, of, of, I guess, learning why they couldn't play and then, you know, and, and really taking the time to digest the information and then coming to a conclusion. And he said everyone was, was happy with um, the vote of, of 12 to 0. Obviously, they, they want to play. They want to get things done quickly, um, as, as safely as possible, but they also are understanding that you know, maybe tough decisions had to be made, and, and they did that. Um, there's also some other things that we've learned from this as well, right, Eric? Well, I was just going to jump in and just, just to reiterate the, the fact here is imagine if they played a season and midway through it, one of the players contracted the virus and th- there were some sort of cardiac issues and the kid dies. And now we're sitting here midway through a football season that probably didn't need to be played with, with blood on hands almost. So, you know, like you think about what the liability is here and it's massive. And, I, and that was the only point I was going to make. If it's not clear like of, of why they're not doing this, to me it's pretty clear. You avoid the possibility of, of having student athletes who are playing in your conference possibly pass away, and that is unacceptable. So, um, yeah. I think the student athlete word is kind of the – the other major part of this where it's not a professional athlete, like NFL training camps are putting players in hotels. NBA is in a bubble. And you look at the MLB who's flying. They have had two teams that have had significant disruptions to their schedule more and affecting other teams. And I just don't think that that would have factored in, in a college student athlete setting. Now the fallout of this decision, this is where some of the answers become more difficult to know. Um, Larry Scott said the PAC 12 is going to have every school honor the scholarships uh, for every athlete. Um, He said they're also pushing for an extra year of eligibility or eligibility to be extended an extra year. Um, Should players choose to opt out, uh, should seasons not be played. Uh, And they, they did that for the spring. So I really, Kevin, I really can't think why this wouldn't happen in the fall and maybe even potentially the winter if we get to that because there's precedence now of the NCAA's extended eligibility and they left it up to the schools and Larry Scott saying the schools want the extra year of eligibility. So it should happen. Yeah, for the Pac-12, which, I mean, all major universities, yes, they did have a lot of budget issues and having to postpone this season uh, will only – impact those further but it it's it's not a small conference it's a big conference that will have the financial want to go ahead and secure these scholarships not just for football but all of the sports such as volleyball uh cross country all those fall and potentially now winter since nothing can happen until january 1st sports uh, i think there's definitely the presence there and i think the pac-12 does care about the student part of student athlete and the scholarship is a huge part of that so i think Larry Scott really is going to hammer the NCAA to keep those eligibilities, uh, expand rosters, which is something that didn't happen 
uh, in the spring, but I think with football and basketball being such a big part of it, I think we, that's, a, that's going to be part of the conversation of how many scholarships can you have on a team? That's something that's going to have to get answered because it's not just the PAC 12, it's the big 10 as well. Um, and, and when you look at the universities that make up those two conferences, I think there's like out of the FBS universities, the, uh, AAU, which is American Association of Universities, like the top research institutions, there are 50 that play FBS football and 20 of those come from either the Big Ten or Pac-12. So definitely significant members on the academic side, which the NCAA likes to pride itself on. The concern here is roster size and how you manage that. And this is where we have to hopefully have a good centralized body here from the NCAA to make some, some agreements here, and especially where the conferences are now no longer aligned, at least not all of them, because some of them are still planning on playing. And you wonder what happens if you somehow decide, well, not somehow, but if you, if they do what they're talking about and they extend this, if, if, if they extend this eligibility another year and now what does a PAC 12 now carry a hundred players and the SEC and the ACC, if they play carry 85, like, I don't know, there's just a lot of weird dynamics here to figure out in terms of rolling over that eligibility, which I, I agree should be done. I mean, I think all the things they're saying are awesome. I'm just curious to see kind of how the particulars of that come together. Ray Anderson, the, I, I did a double take when I heard this. I had, I had to ask Kevin uh, <laughs> if, if this is actually what was said because I just couldn't believe that he, he said this. Arizona State's athletic director, Ray Anderson, um, was asked a question about if players could potentially leave the conference to go to other schools that are planning on playing. And his answer was those schools could have at it. And I, I, I was listening. I was intent. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe what I said. And I had to double, had to, to double, double clarify with Kevin that he actually said that. But there's some context to, to the have at it phrase that he used. Yeah, he said that he believes that the parents and the athletes themselves will believe that the Pac-12 member institutions have taken their best interests into account they've acted responsibly and that they're going to get back to playing football in the future. Um, and so he just didn't think it was going to be a concern. Uh, I will say that, I mean, Arizona state has been one of the better schools recruiting in the conference. So maybe they, there's some confidence that Ray Anderson has in his staff, but I think all of the journalists that were on that call, I mean, I probably saw 20 tweets just like Ray Anderson said, what? Uh, so I think there's going to be some, some questions maybe from some other schools in the Pac-12 about that comment uh, inviting the other conferences that might play football to go open season. But I think there's also a little bit of clarity there in that how many schools have open roster spots to be like, yeah, we're, we're going to drop kids and go pick up more than three players from the Pac-12. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think rosters are already pretty much finalized at 85 across the other three conferences that are still playing and kids aren't leaving to play as walk-ons. My concern here is tampering. And by the way, my question to Ray Anderson is like, why, why are you saying that? Like it's completely <laughs> yes. unnecessary, but like, okay, thanks for putting that out there. Um, but I, I'm all, like, like Kevin was saying, like you know, if other schools are going to add players from the Pac-12, which I'm, I'm going to be stunned if no players transfer from the conference, that would be very surprising to me, even though Ray Anderson some, seemingly disagrees. I just wonder, like, like, how does that come together? Because the, the student athlete, in theory, has to contact these schools and, and reach out. Maybe they will do that, but I think you could get a thing here where you could see maybe 
some some situations where like yeah like does a coach call call the top players at some of these schools and, and kind of check their interest level and if they do that um that's definitely against NCAA guidelines those players are all enrolled right now in school so um that whole part of like the transfer free agency in college football hitting potentially like a couple of weeks months before a season starts is bizarre to say the least and I think creates potentially like a lot of issues for the NCAA who again haven't been immune to mishandling issues and we should also note that schools are pretty much at their limit of scholarships right now anyways. So why would a Panay Sewell all of a sudden go and walk on at a Alabama to, to play a season in which he doesn't even know if he'll be eligible to play right away. Like that, that's just, you have to get a waiver. (laughs) Yeah. You have to get a waiver for it. So, I mean, it's, it's a silly assumption. It's, it's a hot take. It's a short sighted move. Um, when someone says this could hurt you long-term wise as well, sure, it, it may impact one or two guys a year. Uh, but at the, at the grand scheme of things, the SEC, last time I checked, they're still only allowed to sign 25 players a year. They're still only allowed to have 85 scholarship players. Uh, all of a sudden, you're not going to see the SEC with 150, 130 guys on scholarship. <laughs> players aren't going to walk on either. So that, 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 that whole idea just isn't going to happen. Um, well- Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, Matt. Sorry. I mean, I, I think – I bet you there's going to be at least one player that does it. Are, are you expecting – They'll try. They'll try. Okay. I, 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 I just I – just, there's going to be a couple of players here who are really wanting to play in the fall and who are going to at least seek this out. And I, I'm expecting that at least one of them succeeds in doing this, and it's a weird deal in the fall. And we should also say there's no guarantee the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are actually going to play a season either. I mean, they've both kind of – release statements in after the big 10 impact Pac-12. like we're watching what the, those conferences have done we're listening to the reasoning but we're going to keep trying but i think the tone has shifted a ton from the past 24 hours where acc sources were saying absolutely a season is going to be played i don't think anyone is taking absolutes right now in either the acc or sec and the big 12 is currently figuring out what they're doing today now there's also going to be, you know, what, what happens um, we, now. And Larry Scott said that athletes and teams will be allowed to, com- to train for their 20-hour maximum limit per week, but he's going to leave that up to the discretion of each school um, and, and each sport, really. Uh, I, I would interpret that as if it, for, first it's the school deciding, yes, we want to have our athletes continue to train for – for X amount of hours up to 20 per week. And then it falls on the program itself if they want to continue doing that. Um, Larry Scott also clarified, though, that he, when he says uh, sports will be, will be postponed for the rest of the calendar year, that does not mean practices. That does not mean training. That does not mean meetings and whatnot. That just means competition. So games will not be played. And, he, and that clarified it for basketball as well because – a lot of people are focused on the football aspect here, but the reality is we also now have, have seen the non-conference games for men's and women's basketball essentially get knocked out. Um, but he noted all, all of these athletes will be allowed to train at least, uh, and, and then we'll, games will be allowed to start being played in January. Now, from a football standpoint, I think we need to discuss this too. What does this mean for Panay Sewell? What does this mean – potentially for a Javon Holland or any of the, the many juniors or seniors on the roster that returned uh, 
for school for their, for one more year to improve their NFL chances? Do, do they play a spring season? Do they, do they sit out? Do they play part of the season? Um, I think those are the questions that now loom specifically at Oregon for some individual players. Yeah. And we're playing the guessing game by trying to like predict what anyone will do. But I do think that's a question that begs to be asked, especially with a guy like Penny Sewell in particular is one where I, I'm not going to say he's not going to play because we don't know that. And that would be a guess, right? But there's reason to at least question what his motivation would be for doing that, considering that at least right now, the NFL draft would probably be taking place sometime-ish during a season, um, or at least right after a season. Um, you know, there's a bunch of questions about why you would actually want to play part in a spring season, considering everything else that's going on. So I think that's a huge point. It's just unfortunate. We don't, we don't really know what's going to happen, but I, I do think that's something you have to be at least con- considering right now of this Oregon roster might actually look a little different if it does play in the spring than it would have in the fall. Now, spring ball, this is where it gets interesting. Um, Larry Scott came forward and said that, and I, I think this is maybe if, if there was any kind of complaint I had with the messaging or the, you know, what have you is it doesn't really feel like there's a definitive. When I think when I hear spring, um, I hear March, April, May, but Larry Scott clarified that games could start as early as January. Um, if things progress in a positive manner and that everything is on the table. And so, I mean, for me, Kevin, I look at this and think, the, before we know when players sit or don't sit or, or should they play or should they not play, it, we first have to know when a season starts because January is entirely different than a March start date. I think that's a huge point. I think the ramp-up period is also going to be um, heavily talked about. I know that like back in, what was it, May, June, when they were even just trying to figure out a fall season – that was the big discussion between the Pac-12 coaches is how long a ramp-up period are we going to have? If players are still in able to go 20 hours a week this entire fall, then that would be a lot shorter. But then you send everybody home for the holidays, and then January 1st, it's like, all right, fall camp, here we go. I, I just don't think that's reasonable. Maybe it's a two-week break there, but I still think that there's going to need to be uh, a decent fall camp unless you just say all right we'll let you go into fall camp maybe in december but as of right now that just doesn't seem realistic so i think the earliest you're going to see this is pure speculation you won't see a season until sometime in mid to late february just based off a traditional fall camp i think good points kevin in terms of like trying to decipher when you could see a season start i think january is probably more than anything just kind of a a carrot to dangle out there for fans to keep them optimistic that it could happen sooner than later and that they're committed to doing it as soon as possible. But I'm like, I'm, I'm with you there. And I, I think the, I mean, ultimately when they might start is going to be kind of dependent upon if a, if there's any medical advancements, if there's a vaccine, a way to make sure everyone is safe and then B whatever they put in place for protective measures of a, it doesn't take place when that actually becomes viable. And so like January seems all these dates are kind of arbitrary at this point. Right. I mean, there's like a lot of things you have to figure out before you can even move forward with anything, but January certainly sounds better than March. I, I also think it sounds like a date you throw out there to make it sound better than March because March is probably roughly when you're going to start playing. Like Kevin said, 
um, traditionally you need a little bit more time than, than January 1st based upon um, practice typically. Then there's also the debate of should we even be playing football two seasons within one calendar year and the rigors that puts on, on the body, should that even be possible? I think that the biggest, like the biggest question to me about the spring football, and I think it comes after releasing this 10-game season, is are, which season are you going to revert to? Are you going to try and get those contracts for, that you canceled for the non-cons back? Are we still going to be in the predicament of testing? So could Oregon go ahead and put Ohio State, Hawaii, North Dakota State back on the schedule? Or if you're trying to do a double season in one year, do you have to go to a shorter conference only? Does the Pac-12 just play an eight-game conference-only schedule? Because your players are going to have to finish up in maybe May at at some point, or if that's that the season goes late, finish up in May and then turn around and do it all again next fall. So we might we might see two years of shortened season. Is kind of you just can't expect a college athlete to play two. 10 game plus seasons in one calendar year. Yeah. This reminds me a little bit of what we're seeing with the NBA where they're playing their postseason play here. And then like training camp starts like a month later for the teams that are in the championship game of like, I mean, again, we don't know the timeline for how this plays out, but it, let's say they play a 10 game schedule. Cause that's what they kind of agreed upon in the fall. And it's the same conference schedule. Like what best case is that they start that. Let's say they start that in January. That's still not being done until what mid mid to late March, maybe maybe into April, and then you've got postseason play of some kind, probably. I mean, you could have a season play into May, and then you turn around and expect like so. I guess you just don't have spring practice that year, um, at least not preparing for the next season. But then, when are you starting that winter that that fall season? Are you still starting that in September? Because that could be, you know, two to three months off. Whereas typically you have gosh eight nine months, so it's a lot to fill into a year. Personally, I'm a little skeptical of how that all comes together. There's definitely going to be a wide range of, of topics. Do you play 10 games? Do you play nine? Do you play 12? Do you shorten it? Do you, do you play just divisional games? And each division's champion comes and meets in the in Pac-12 championship games. Now you're only playing six regular season games before you get uh, to your championship, before you get to the bowl season. Uh, lots of questions with that are going to have to be answered. And I think – the, the biggest thing for me that I took away from the near 30 minute interview with the media with PAC 12's commissioner, Larry Scott, uh, president Michael show, the university of Oregon, who's also the chair CEO of the CEO group, basically the president of each school, um, the doctor and also Ray Anderson, the athletic director at ASU was that they don't have, they were honest about it. They don't have all the answers. There's, they mentioned it, Kevin mentioned it. I think Eric mentioned it as well. The, the buzzword of the day was uncertainty and that we're still going to have to, there's still going to be, have to a lot of be a, a lot of work to get done in the next weeks, months, maybe even half a year to really kind of figure out the, the, the next steps and the, the end goal of this. And, uh, we are just at the start of another marathon of trying to get back to, to playing sports on a regular time schedule. Yeah, yeah. I think the big thing that I noticed from the, the end of the call was the path to getting everything back is going to come down to testing and tracing. Uh, I believe it was Dr. Ackerman at Oregon State that talked about how these athletes are still in the community and they released a lengthy 12-page medical document with a lot of info. Um, 
And I think one of the biggest conclusions is that the schools need to provide better testing and tracing for their student athletes. And I mean, got to commend Oregon, the university side has now uh, said that they're up to a thousand capability of a thousand tests per day. But when you're servicing a large university, that's not enough for a hundred plus person football program. So a lot of work to be done. Rob Mullins um, released a statement shortly after the Pac-12's decision. Um, kind of lengthy, but nonetheless, here it is. I feel our student athletes, coaches, and staff on s- such a difficult day, and I appreciate their leadership during this time. Health and safety of our student athletes will always guide our decisions and be our top priority, and we will continue to provide our first-class standard of care to our student athletes without interruption including scholarship support, full medical and mental health services, academic support, and other support services. We have worked diligently during the past several months with our Pac-12 conference peers, university leadership, medical experts, and our local and state health officials to find a safe path for all sports competition. Unfortunately, the uncertainty surrounding COVID-19 precludes us from moving forward with contact at this time. We appreciate the expert advice from the Pac-12 Medical Advisory Group, Lane County Public Health, and the Oregon Health Authority, as well as all the incredible efforts of our student athletes, coaches, and staff in making our measured phased return to workouts so successful to this point. We will follow the guidance from public health experts and collaborate with peer institutions in monitoring the situation in hopes that improving conditions will allow us to consider a return on to competition for our student athletes. Um, the, the thing I took away from that statement echoes what president Schill said towards uh, a, a question I believe was geared towards Larry Scott when he interjected and said that um, it's not the schools are not following the law of the PAC 12 to play or to not play, to train or to not train. He said, first and foremost, the schools are following the law of the local health authorities, which Rob Mullins here again cites. He still said in there in the call, and Rob Mullins again says here, that they have to be approved locally first from health officials, not the PAC-12 to do stuff. And, and that's where they will continue to lean. He, he, he called the conference making decisions based on science, not opinion, and that's where the league is going to be trending when they make their decisions. I, you, you listened to, you, listening to Matt run through that, and I should say I hadn't seen the statement until he ran through it, but I, I can't help but acknowledge that once again, the buzzword of uncertainty is used there and we call it a buzzword, but I mean, I think it's the right word too. And, and you know, and if we're being honest here, like there is so much uncertainty, there's almost nothing, you know, I shouldn't say there's nothing, no, but there's not a lot that we know about what the long-term effects of this, this virus are because frankly, it hasn't been around long enough to really have any data. So I, 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 again, I commend them for doing that. I don't think I take anything from that statement that really deviates from the call and, and everything else we've heard today. But uh, again, I, I, I commend all of these folks in, involved, at least for making a tough decision that, that at least on face value, it puts health of the student athletes first because there is a ton of financial potential losses here if a season never gets played. And I know that obviously that weighs uh, a, a lot on these, on these decision makers, but I, again, I commend them for, for making this decision in the way they did it. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. And I think the bringing up the Oregon health authority 
um, in Lane County Health is uh, pretty significant for Rob Mullins to do just on the status that the Oregon Health Authority a few weeks ago during a press conference said that football is not a safe sport in the state at the same time while Oregon was gearing up for fall camp. So I think they kind of had to step back. I mean, you look at high school football is not being played in Oregon, Washington, or um, California. So I, I think it just follows that public health guidelines where even in the best of intentions and best of scenarios, football is still just not something that the government can can say is safe. And I think that kind of the pac decision echoes what they're getting from their larger governments and larger health authorities. Lots to cover, lots of information on duckterritory.com that's been posted already. Eric, Kevin, and I will continue to digitally break this all down and, and give you the stories on Oregon athletics as we prepare for another drought of sports being played here at the University of Oregon. So hopefully you guys have found this informative, helpful, uh, we will continue to cover this program. There's still lots to cover. Recruiting will still continue. Uh, we will also continue the track of when sports will return because uh, Larry Scott said it could be as early as January when, when games are being played again uh, or at least you know, competition returns. So it, it feels like it's a long ways away, but at the same time, you know, there's always something going on and we'll continue to track it at duckterritory.com. So thank you for listening to this emergency edition for myself, for Eric Scopel, Kevin Wade, you've been listening to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks.